Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. In our study today, I want to share some life-changing revelations concerning the law of spiritual recognition. So if you are taking notes, you can write at the top of your notes, the law of spiritual recognition. Our foundational scripture is taken from Matthew chapter 10 and verse 41. And I'm going to read both the New King James Version as well as the Amplified Translation. Jesus is speaking here and he says, He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. In the Amplified Translation, it is, it is uh, written, He who receives and welcomes and accepts a prophet because he is a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. The law of spiritual recognition is a foundational principle in the kingdom of God, and it will work in the life of whosoever will engage with it and put it to work in their lives. You will see clearly in this study that we will do today as we go through this study and examine the scriptures which refer to this particular principle, you will clearly see this principle working in the life of individuals, but you will also see uh, the principle has no effect in the life of certain people as well that they fail to understand uh, the law of spiritual recognition. The scripture teaches us that when we recognize and receive a person in the true spiritual authority and identity, we receive from them the grace and the anointing they carry on their ministries to work miraculously on our behalf. On the other hand, if a messenger who is sent from God to you is not recognized and received as such, the grace and the anointing which operates in their ministry remains locked up within them. It is not released. In the words of Jesus, which we just read in Matthew chapter 10, verse 41, we clearly see this law of spiritual recognition at work. What we recognize and honor, we will always attract. What you recognize and honor in your life, you will always attract. What we fail to recognize cannot and will not benefit us in any way. Jesus said that if we recognize a prophet because he is a prophet, we will receive 
the prophet's reward, which of course is none other than total restoration, which includes divine healing, it includes deliverance, it includes provision, etc. The first case that we will study is found in Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 13, verses 53 to 58, Jesus visits his hometown and he brings the gospel of salvation to them, the gospel of healing, and as you will see, the results that took place over there. I'm reading from the New King James uh, Version in Matthew 13, beginning with verse 53. Now it came to pass, when Jesus had finished these parables, that he departed from there. And when he had come to his own country, he taught them in the synagogue, so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there, because of their unbelief. You will notice that Mark also records this incident as well. And Mark, in his last statements, as he relates the events which took place in Jesus' hometown, Mark said the following in verse 6 of chapter 6. Now he, that is Jesus, could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Please notice the words, he could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. But Matthew said he did not do many mighty works whereas Mark said he could not. It's not that he did not want to, but rather that he couldn't do any mighty works. And he explains the reasons why. Even the Lord Jesus, in his hometown, he could not override their unbelief of the people there. They put the brakes on him. Their unbelief was the result, of course, of spiritual blindness. They didn't recognize who Jesus was in the Spirit, and they did not believe what he preached and taught in the synagogue. As a result, they received nothing from him. Even though Jesus came to heal the sick, he came to deliver the captives, and he came to give sight to the blind. His mission from God is recorded very clearly in the Gospel of St. Luke, 
chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, and we're going to read what his mission was. And wherever he went, he preached the same sermon. Luke 4, 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus ministering. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's what Jesus came to do in his hometown, to minister the gospel to the poor, to preach deliverance to the captives, to heal the brokenhearted, and to give sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. There were many there that were oppressed, many were blind, I am, I am sure of that, and many were brokenhearted. But he could not do any mighty works there because they did not recognize who Jesus was in the Spirit and what he came to do. In other words, they did not recognize the hour of their visitation. Why? Because they knew him in the flesh. They saw him in the flesh as the son of Mary and Joseph, a simple carpenter, rather than who he really was in the Spirit. I have uh, noticed the following. Most times, the most difficult people to minister to and receive from you are the people within your own family and among your own people because they know you too much in the flesh and not in the Spirit. Let's look at now how the power and the glory of God was manifested in the life of those who recognize and honor the ministry and the gift of God sent to them in the life of just one simple widow. And we look at this, we read the story here in the Old Testament, in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 17, verses 8 through to 16. I encourage you, if you're not familiar with the story, do your own study on it and meditate on it. The Holy Spirit will show you things that will probably change your life if you, if you believe them and put them into practice. Now the word of the Lord came to him, that is, Elisha, or rather Elijah, saying to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. And so he arose, and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar, 
and see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which is spoke by Elijah. As we can clearly see here in this portion of Scripture, the widow and her son were delivered from starvation and ultimately that ultimately would have led to their death. Even in her own testimony, she said, I'm going, I'm going to cook this last meal, and my son and I, we're going to eat it and die. There's no faith in there at all. But when the prophet showed up at the gate of the widow, the Bible says she received him, and she even fed him, even though it was her last meal. Imagine that. You better believe that it takes faith to do that. When you're down in your last meal and the word of the Lord instructs you to honor God first and his messengers before yourself. Well, thank God. That's that. Listen, that's completely illogical. That's unreasonable. But thank God she acted on the word of the Lord, which was given to her by the mouth of the prophet. I ask, what would have happened to her and her son if she did not recognize him as a prophet? If she didn't know who it was at her gate, she would have died. Just as surely with her son. She received the prophet in the name of the prophet, and she received a prophet's reward. In this case, the reward was a supernatural provision and deliverance from death. If you read further, in the same chapter you will see that when her son fell ill and died, it was Elijah once again that raised him from the dead. The widows from Zarephah received two outstanding miracles from God because she received the prophet in the name of the prophet. Now, Jesus, referring to this very incident, said to the people of his town, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 25, Jesus said to them, But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was great famine throughout the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephah, in the region of Sidon, 
to a woman who was a widow. You see, the script Jesus said that Elijah was not sent to any other widow in Israel. Were there not many other widows? Of course they were. But only to this particular widow who was not even from among the Jewish nation. Why was that? Because Elijah's own people would not receive him just like they did not receive Jesus in his hometown. Interesting. Jesus was making a point here. What was the point that he wanted to make? A prophet is not recognized or received, usually among his own people, because they see him and know him too much in the flesh. Listen, if God decides to send you a messenger in answer to your prayers, carrying your specific miracle, you better have enough spiritual sense or discernment to receive him as such so that you don't lose your reward. Are you listening to me? Many have missed God's best simply because they fail to recognize the hour of their visitation. Jesus himself laments the future destruction of Jerusalem because its inhabitants fail to recognize the hour of the visitation. Listen to what the scripture says in Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, verses 42 to 44. Study these verses, please. Jesus is speaking to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he says, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embarkment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Matthew also records the same incident but in different words. In Matthew 23, verse 37, we read, as Jesus looks over Jerusalem, and he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Paul, writing to the church in Thessaloniki, he emphasizes this law of spiritual recognition, and he says to them, Because when you received the word of God, you heard from us. 
you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. You see here, Paul says that the word of God works effectively in those who receive it, not as the word of mere men, but as the word of God sent by the servants of the Lord. When we honor and open our hearts to these men and women who are sent from God, we receive the rewards they carry. When we receive them as mere men, we receive nothing from them. John Bevere has written an excellent book on this subject entitled Honor's Reward. If you haven't read it, please make an effort to do so. You will be taught some valuable and basic principles that will change your life for the better. And Paul shares this principle also with the Philippians. He writes to them in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 7, he says the following, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. That's very important. That last statement he makes is very important. He says to them, you are all partakers with me of grace. You see, let's examine closely what Paul says here. First of all, he's writing to his partners in the gospel. The Philippians not only recognize Paul as a true apostle of Jesus Christ, but they also stood by him, according to the scriptures, they stood by him and supported him financially when no other church would. He says to these partners of his that they were partakers with him in the grace that was upon his life. You see, this is, this is key what he says here. Partakers means they shared in the same grace that was working in Paul's ministry. Here is a question. What was this particular grace on Paul's life? It was the grace of an apostle and the grace of a prophet. It was the grace given to him from God to restore and establish the believers in their faith. We see that the church in Philippi grew from a handful of people and became one of the most influential churches that Paul established, simply because they recognized and received Paul as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we see another church that did the opposite. 
contrary uh, to the church in Corinth that was full of problems and full of divisions. The Corinthians failed to recognize Paul as their apostle and they rejected his fatherhood. Why do I say that? Because he himself writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 2, and he says to them, Corinthians, open your hearts to us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. You see, according to Paul, the Corinthians were close to him. Their hearts were closed. They would not receive. He had to justify his apostleship over and over again. And he pleads with them to open up their hearts so they can receive from him what he carried, a true fatherhood. He says to them in 1 Corinthians 4.14, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Do you see that? You see the difference between the two churches. The Philippians welcomed Paul. They received him as an apostle. They received his word, not as the word of a mere man, but as the word of an apostle sent to them from God. As a result, they were strengthened. They were established. They multiplied and they were prosperous. Not only did they receive him uh, uh, with words, but they stood with him and they supported him financially again and again when no other church would do it. But the Corinthians were the opposite. He says to them, I robbed other churches so that I can minister to you. And he pleads with them, open your hearts to us. We've wronged no one. We cheated no one. We defrauded no one. There's no reason for you to close your hearts to us. You see, this is what happens when you're in a church and you get offended with the pastor or with the leader of the church. I guarantee you, you won't receive anything from them. No matter how anointed they are, no matter how spiritual they are, no matter how mightily God uses them, you're going to sit in that church day after day, week after week, but you will receive nothing because you carry an offense in your heart toward the leadership. So my advice, get rid of the offense and deal with it so that you can grow from there and establish yourself in the faith through the ministry of that particular leadership. And I have seen this time and time again. It happens. So we need to guard our hearts. These men are not perfect. They, they, they're full of shortcomings. They, they make mistakes. But we need to be careful to honor the office they stand in, to honor the anointing, and most importantly, to honor the Christ within them and the gift they have been given by the Lord Jesus Christ so that we may receive from them. So, my experience in ministry over the years, as I walk with people, as I relate to people and teach them the Word of God, I have observed over the years the following. 
some of the people that I minister to and teach, they would know and receive me as a Bible teacher, excellent teacher of the Word. So all they're going to get from me is teaching. While others, they recognize something else or something more, and they receive me as a spiritual father. Now, there is a difference between uh, a teacher and a spiritual father. I'm not going to go into it right now. We don't have the time. Maybe another time. A father figure is much more than just a teacher. It's not, listen, you may call me pastor, you may call me whatever you want to call me. It's not what you call a person that really matters. But what you recognize in them that will determine what you receive from them. Did you hear that? It's not what you call a person that really matters. What matters is what you recognize in them, spiritually speaking, that will determine what you receive from them. Remember Jesus asked his disciples at a certain stage of the training, who did they think he was? Only Peter received the revelation from God that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yet Jesus walked with these men for three years, three and a half years. He ministered alongside them. He sat and ate with them. They did everything together, but they didn't really know who he was. But Peter received that revelation from heaven, and he recognized. That's why the Lord said to him, and upon this rock, what rock was he referring to? He was referring to the rock of revelation knowledge. You see, revelation knowledge brings growth and establishment in your life. It brings divine order. And Jesus commended Peter, saying, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not received or re revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Let me say this. Unless one receives revelation from heaven, it is impossible to recognize the true stature of a man. You need spiritual eyes and spiritual understanding. And this is the reason why in almost every epistle of Paul to the churches, in his prayers he asks, continually, that God would give the believers the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that the eyes of their understanding may be opened. Family, an excellent prayer to pray for yourself and your loved ones every day. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Grant me spiritual understanding and wisdom so that I may see and understand things like you do. Ask the Lord to show you, to reveal to you, whom has he sent to you in order to bless you, equip you, empower you, and restore you. Surely, God, there are, there are several men and women that you may receive from. You can, you can learn and you can receive teaching from various sources. 
But among those many, there is one that is your apostolic oversight and leader. He is the main one from whom you receive impartation, inheritance, anointing, and blessing. So you need to know who they are. And only the Lord can reveal them to you so that you may receive from them what they carry so that you can be equipped and empowered to do what God has called you to do. Furthermore, ask him to show you who they are in the spirit, what they carry, what, what is the grace that is upon their lives or in the ministry in terms of anointing, in terms of grace, so that you can benefit from the ministry and from the prayers. I cannot stress enough how important this is. You see, Satan's concentrated attacks are centered around resisting revelation knowledge from God. He will resist that with everything he has, and he will throw at you everything he has in order to block you from seeing what you should see. And I do believe, and the scripture would back me up on that, that the greatest battles in the heavenlies are fought over revelation knowledge. You can read that in the book of Daniel chapter 9 and chapter 10, how Daniel remained in his knees for days praying and fasting because there was resistance in the heavenlies against the angel who was bringing revelation knowledge to Daniel. And God had to send the archangel Michael to do battle and break through those resistance so that Daniel may receive the revelation that he was seeking. So, Scripture says, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. You see, that is his primary ministry, to blind the minds of those who do not believe. He blinds. In other words, he places a veil over people's minds, so they see, but they do not perceive. They hear, but they do not understand. And that veil can only be removed as a person turns wholly to the Lord in repentance and asks for that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. And so my prayer is that may the Lord, by His grace and mercy, open our eyes to truly see, to truly recognize the hour of our own visitation so that we don't reject or consider as common those he lovingly sends to us in love to enrich our lives with his grace. Amen. This is so vitally important, folks. So let's pray right now that the Lord pray. Bow your head, open your heart, and from your heart pray and, and ask the Lord, Lord, help me. Father, as we gather before you in the ministry of your word and the presence of your spirit, I ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you grant all of us, dear Lord, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our understanding, Father, may be enlightened, 
so that we may know what is the depth, the height, the width and the length, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, so that we may know what is the hope of His calling, what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us, Lord, who believe. Help me to spiritually recognize, Lord, who the people are around me, who my husband is in the Spirit, who my wife is in the Spirit, who my children are in the Spirit, who are my leaders in the Spirit. Help me to see them as you see them, to welcome them, to receive them, to honor them as you, Father, have taught us to honor those who are sent from you and to bless them and say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.